morning, Mrs. Strawberry, and good morning, Mrs. Iteration. I'm your host, Shane Adamchuk. My guest this episode is Brent Hiroshi, and we're going to try and make the world a better place one word at a time. Our word this week is iteration. This podcast goes for 25 minutes, but first, as always, it is time for the three-point check and some home truths. Brent, welcome to the show. How is your head, your heart, and your tummy? Thank you so much for having me, Shane. Uh, Let me see. My head is full. Uh, my, uh, heart is, uh, is beating and my tummy is, uh, over full. All right. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good three point check. I, I do want to know you're over there in, in beautiful, chilly Vancouver. Uh, what did you have? What did you have to eat? What was your most recent meal? I, uh, just met up with a friend of mine at a Thai restaurant and, uh, was served one of those servings of food that is too much to eat in one serving uh-huh. and too little to eat your fill and then have enough that's worth taking home. I see. Which I find to be the the magic bullet to make me over full because I will be full but have not enough food left to take home. And so uh, as the conversation goes on, of course, you keep picking at what remains and then feel a little bit sick. So in terms of the three-point check, your tummy is a little over full. Everything else is pretty much on the level. Everything's going, everything else is going fine. Fine as can be expected, yeah. That's good to know. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, this is the first time you've been on the show. Um, it's been a while since we've caught up, since we've been uh, divided by distance, and I haven't been able to tour uh, your beautiful country for a while now. Um, it's really good to have you here. Um, as part of being my guest, you get to ask me a question. It can be as serious or silly as you like, and I mm-hmm. uh, have to give you as honest an answer as I can. So now that the floor is yours to ask whatever question you would like. Uh, Shane, yes. uh, what is it you miss most about touring Canada? Oh, good question. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things, but it comes down to the people. Like, I miss all all my fringe uh, family, yourself included, um, because when I lived over in Canada, I formed such strong friendships with so many people um, that I then would only get to see, you know, between two or three months every year. And even that, it was only, you know, I'd see a couple of people in this city, a couple of people in that city. It was this big traveling circus, as you know, and I, I really miss uh, the people in that circus. So yeah, I, I thought for people. sure when you'd moved to Canada, we had you for good, but uh, you got away from us. Look, blame my blame my brother and sister in law for having kids. <laughs> it's mostly their fault that I'm still here. Fair enough, and COVID as well. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that as well. Uh, yes, but yes, I do miss you guys uh, very much. Uh, you've chosen the word iteration, which is a word we haven't had before. I'd love to know why you picked that word. So iteration is something that uh, I adore, um, both as an artist and as an improviser, uh, but also as somebody who, uh, you know, likes building things and and likes technology. To me, uh, when I meet people who feel that in any respect, anything they do, any aspect of themselves is finished, um, I I worry for them because I think uh, we are constantly in the state of building something and assessing it, and then building again, and building again, and building again. I had a great playwriting teacher, uh, Mr. Per Brask at the University of Winnipeg, who told me as a playwright that plays are never finished. They are only abandoned. Mm, uh, which, uh, yeah. <laughs> as a playwright who has abandoned many plays, yep. uh, gives me a little pang of guilt. Stop! Um, it's making it too real for me! I know, I know. <laughs> but it, it also is showing us, like, yes, iteration is so important. And I, I, I think... Um, 
you know, in many aspects of the world, when people want things to be simpler, they want things to be easily understood. Uh, to me, I, I look at that and go, yes, but uh, this sort of is taking us away from the fact that we are always a work in progress and that there is always this this change happening. And people who resist that iteration, people who resist that change, I think are the ones that uh, have the most difficulty uh, as the world continues shifting around. I mean, the last few years, if anything, has taught us there are a lot of people that are very realist, uh, you know, resistant to change and to uh, be willing to learn new things and adapt. I mean, COVID's been a perfect example. Climate change is another one. Um, there are people out there that currently think the earth is flat for real, which mm -hmm. blows my mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've i done several deep dives into all of that and, and the QAnon stuff. And a lot of that comes from, again, people trying to make the world simpler. Um, if you look at the the maps that these conspiratorial people create of the world they're obviously like you know very very intense and uh there's a lot of lore that's built into it but while there is complexity in the design of that it actually makes the world less complex and so you can understand a bit of the allure to it because you want something where it's like you know why are all these bad things happening oh let me show you my diagram. And there's no uh, sort of intense soul searching that we have to do as a people or as a culture in terms of uh, more insidious uh, things that are pulling us in various directions. No, no, no. It's just, I mean, honestly, in, in most cases, it just becomes anti-Semitism. Um, but yeah, there's just one group we can point at and say, that's the reason why things are bad. And as soon as we do something to them, <clears throat> uh, then everything will be fine. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. The people that, uh, for example, you know, want to make America great again, essentially mean we just want to make it back when it was simple uh, and racist and we didn't have to deal with with so many things all the time. Well, I, I mean, there are people in Canada who, you know, are, are following of that, which is even crazier. There are people here as well, which makes oh, no goodness. sense at all. But but I think most people, uh, you know, while from the outside, it's easy to be like, what do you mean by that? Most people don't have an idea of what they mean by that. Mm. It just is uh, this thing that they, they can push against. And yeah, the idea of, you know, there was a time when everything was better and any progress that has been made is actually regression uh, is, is a very weird way of looking at things and, and wanting the world to be simpler in a way that it simply is not. And it can be scary. I mean, I'm someone that's... Uh, uh a big fan of like, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. Uh, but if it, if it's broke, try, try to fix it. Uh, even if it's, if it's difficult. And there are things like within myself and within my life over the last couple of years that I've had to change and adjust, you know, uh, things that I used to say when I was a teenager that I would be absolutely ashamed to say now, uh, things that I would uh, do, uh, you know, specific words, behaviors, and, Part of learning is uh, being able to look back at your past and go, that wasn't good. But knowing that you're a different person now and ideally you become, you know, a better version of the person that you were before. Well, I think this also exists a lot as, you know, as comedians, as, as improvisers, as entertainers. You know, we're always looking, especially when we're trying to be funny, to mm -hmm. find where that sense of comedy is. And I, I think, you know, we now have access through streaming to stuff like Netflix, where you can binge all your favorite shows from the 80s and 90s. And you watch that. And so often I'm watching shows where I remember thinking it was hilarious and watching mm -hmm. it again and just sort of cringing with my whole body, uh, which I don't think it's something that we should like 
push away from to be like, oh, comedy was so much easier back then. It's like, no, no, no. We have gained more sensitivity. We have more understanding of how, you know, we can be hurtful to people in ways that are are like insidiously normative and uh, give you that moment to look like, yeah, like at some point someone uh, maybe future us will look back on the moment that we're in and uh, have that same feeling of, of oh, man, like we, we still hadn't progressed further along. So it is this constant iteration of trying to become better, of trying to become more understanding, of trying to figure out um, how we can uh, be inclusive in our in our comedy in our language and the way that we interact with the world and the way that we build the world and so that stuff is all yeah i think i think really good and really important being able to to look back at something like uh like eddie murphy's delirious for mm-hmm. is, is a good example i think where there's lots of like homophobia and stuff like that 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 eddie murphy himself would definitely not not tread on that kind of material now um something like like friends for example a lot of people look back and say oh friends is terrible it's got a whole bunch of stuff in it but i think the fact that we can look back at that stuff from you know 10 20 30 years ago and go oh we wouldn't say that now is it's just a good sign that we know that we're growing as a civilization that you know that stuff if that stuff was still still fine uh you know homophobia transphobia whatever it is um, fat phobia, all the phobias. Let's just include all the phobias. And the fact that we that we look back at it now and go, oh, that's a bit cringe. I don't think it makes that material, you know, void. I think it it worked and it was fine for the time that it was created. But the fact that we can look back and say, well, that's that's no good, no more, is is a good thing to be able to say, well, I guess we're growing and we're advancing as a civilization. That exactly like in 10, 20, 30 years from now, I'm sure we'll look at back at some of the stuff we've we've created in, in this time and be like, oh, we don't do that anymore. And, and to keep that in the world of comedy, you know, you see all of these sort of el- elder statesmen of comedy who, you know, complain that, oh, I can't perform on college campuses anymore. And that comes from, again, that that failure of desire to innovate anymore, that failure desire to change, to grow, um, to not be doing the same shtick over and over again. And ultimately, when you look at a lot of the people who who fall into that line, you're like, oh, yeah, it's because you're all kind of hacks. You figured out a thing that worked. You mm-hmm. dug into it and then you're not willing to change. And I think, you know, the the, the true artists, the true people who, who push themselves, you know, will find a way forward uh, as long as they are willing to to put in that work. It's easy to get old and tired. Uh, I'm getting older and tireder by the second. But <laughs> I'm doing it right I, now. I, I hope I will never be that old and tired. Yeah. Um, do you ever look back at some of your your old work and, and do a little bit of cringe at, at the person that you were? Oh God! I mean, not just my work, uh, my my life. Yes, uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously. Um, I will occasionally uh, read old scripts of mine and uh, allow that to be one sort of a, a moment where I can look back and uh, appreciate things about my own creativity. Uh, also, see the ways that I've grown as a person and and grown, and also just you know, understand that, okay, great. This is, this is part of that development process, uh, that I started here and then continued moving on. Um, I, I mean, one thing that's, that's happened for me as an instructor. So, so I, I teach improv as well as perform it. And, uh, because I've worked with, uh, all sorts of age ranges, it's been this really great opportunity to see as, uh, the people that are coming in are are changing and and, and we're getting all the, the, these new influences, like being able to adapt to that and make uh, particularly improv, which is something 
that I think a lot of people have a lot of fear of, of opening themselves up. They don't know what's going to happen. There's there's a sense of control that has to be uh, let go of. And we have to like build a space where people can be feeling safe, but also feeling that they're allowed to experiment and, and, and push things. And yeah, trying to create that sort of environment, I think, has always been really interesting to me. But it's also put me at the forefront of a lot of conversations that have also moved into other parts of my performing life. Um, my company, uh, when we, uh, when I, well, I, I took over a, a company here in Vancouver and worked as uh, the co-artistic director, and we started talking about like changing the way we start an improv show. Like, how do our performers check in with them with each other, and how do we give our each other con informed consent for something that may or may not happen? Yeah, and. Uh, you know, that's not a conversation that was happening when I was starting doing improv or theater. And now it is more and more a thing where it's not just, OK, this is the kissing scene. So you guys are going to kiss. And the director who's the one who hired you is like part of this job. You know, now we have intimacy coaches who come in and try to build that trust and give the performers a safe way to to navigate through that space and make sure that, you know, we can not only you know, do it, but do it in a way that is uh, satisfying for the audience and also not traumatizing for the performers. And uh, the fact that we didn't do that before, you know, speaks to a lot of the the, the ways that we we were blind, blind to to some of the problems that we kept on stumbling over. Yeah, we're we're definitely going through a lot of the, the same the same challenges with uh with our improv troupe here in Perth, where we've just had a massive influx of of mostly young people um, who are. Uh, very much of the of the woke crowd and we're trying to find that balance between like the old ways and the new ways of um, making sure everybody feels safe everybody feels protected and okay on stage and you know consent and also finding that balance of being able to still push people outside of their comfort zones with what they perform so that they're, they're constantly growing and challenging themselves as performers and it's a difficult balance to, to strike really. Well, let, let me tell you what we do, and, and maybe this is similar to, to what you guys are doing, but when we start off, and I think this is not just useful for improv, this is useful for, for any new gathering of people together. Sure. Uh, I always open off with, uh, with a check-in. So the check-in is just, you know, hey, this is my name. Uh, these are my pronouns. This is how I'm doing today. Um, and that gives space to just sort of like, you know, acknowledge where we are in the moment. Uh, and then also checking in with um, physicality. So if whatever you're doing involves physicality, uh, being able to say, okay, so uh, I'm comfortable with these things. Uh, so you can touch, uh, you can touch my head if you want. You can touch my arms, uh, my body, my chest, uh, stay out of the bathing suit area. Um, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And some people will be like, no, you can definitely go there if it calls for it. And so some people have opted in, some people have opted out, and you yeah. know that these are the ways you can go. And then similarly, we also do that with any mental stuff. So it'd be like, you know what? Um, you don't have to explain it if you, if you don't want to, but it can be stuff like, yeah, I would like to stay away from uh, stuff like death right now, um, or I want to stay away from uh, playing these kind of characters. Uh, those kind of things, especially when you're starting out, are so really helpful. And we also build it with the understanding that, you know, these boundaries and this consent can change at any time. So even once we know each other, even once we're playing in together, we have our check in where if anybody has anything that they want to add, they're totally welcome to do that. So we try to do it a little bit faster in terms of generally once we know each other, once we know everything about how people like to play and, and, and what their boundaries are, we don't necessarily have to restate them. 
unless we have a new person, in which case we go all over again. But if something's changed, if it's like, yeah, today this thing is different. Uh, it's just with that understanding of everyone's being like, okay, we understand these boundaries. We're going to do our utmost to play within them, but also an understanding that, uh, you know, we're human and mistakes can happen. So if mistakes happen, uh, we will we'll understand that like, okay, stepped over the boundary and let's find this way that we can communicate about it. And normally people are, are, are super, super understanding because yeah, we're, we're stepping into this world where that can happen, but so much better to have those boundaries outlined. And yeah. so we know <laughs> what we're walking into potentially, as opposed to just having them, you know, running's head forced into them because we were completely ignorant they existed in the first place. And um, I'm sure your troop is much the same, but I feel like we're very lucky that we've been together for a long time and we kind of, we know a lot of each other's strengths and weaknesses already. Like we're, we're learning all the new people that have just come into the troop where they kind of fit into the, into the, into the world. Um, but I think when people watch an improv show and they're watching us do our, our wacky make ups they don't realize there's a, there's a lot of trust that goes into being on a, on a stage with a bunch of other mm -hmm. performers who essentially have control over everything that's happening in your world. And it goes both ways. There's, you know, there's trust between the performers and there's trust between the performers and the MC and the, and the MC and the audience. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into that to making sure that everyone's having a good time. Everyone's having a laugh, but no one's walking home and, and crying themselves to sleep. Absolutely. I, I worked on another show where, uh, you know, it was being built to have a lot of audience participation mm -hmm. and uh, something that the majority of the cast really pushed hard for. And it was the two sort of like older guys in the cast who were like, oh, why are we doing this? Oh, is that we were like, no, we want to give the audience a way to opt out. Yeah. And so we came up with just a little hand signal that you could do uh, to sort of like put over your chest. And if we saw that, then we would know that you didn't want to play and uh, you wouldn't be asked to do anything. And the, the older folks were like, no, if you do this, nobody's going to want to volunteer. We just need to pull people on stage and then they'll have a good time. And we we're like, no, that has been so many people's fear of improv from the early days. Yeah, that yeah. I'm going to go to the show. I'm going to get pulled up. I'm going to be embarrassed, whatever. They're going to talk so, about my stupid hat. Sure. And, and like giving people the ability to opt out. And, and I got to see this because in this play, I was the one who was doing most of the gathering people. And I would like look out into the audience when it was time for me to do so. And I would see people who I would make eye contact with them and they would sort of panic a little bit, but then put up this hand signal. And as soon as they saw that I respected that, I turned away and looked to somebody else. You could see them relax. You could see all that anxiety fall off. And many of them later on in the show because we made our ask small to begin and then got bigger and bigger and bigger sure. uh that as we went on so people were like okay no i am ready to do this now so that boundary changed for them too that's great and so that yeah we were able to to, to do it with consent of the audience uh which i think is super important as well and i think uh you'll be surprised how many people are so willing to get up on stage sometimes too much willing uh to get mm. up on stage from the audience you're like oh, oh no yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then, then you've got the other thing where you're just like, hey, we didn't consent to you doing all of this yeah, other stuff. Audience why, why are you still here, sir? <laughs> um, and there's, I find there's a, there's a lot of that that happens in the, the stand-up world here in, in Western Australia. There's a lot of like um, real like edgelord comedians that are trying yeah. to quote-unquote push boundaries. And essentially what that means is just saying offensive things and, and going, no, 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 comedy is I can say whatever I want. Um, and, and a lot of people are getting like denied shows 
and are getting, you know, really bad press written about them. And they're like, and I'm oh, sure getting real deep. upset about it because this is unfair to them. Oh, very, yeah. very, very much so. Um, and it's, it's such a delicate line. I'm very glad that I don't run stand-up rooms anymore because I just, I got so over just trying to deal with just egos and people that don't understand very simple boundaries. And we had like, um, you know, terms and conditions of, of performing in our room and, you know, boundaries and all these important things and people who would just cross those lines and, you know, you give them one warning and, you know, just so you know, this is, this is where we're at and this is what you did. And this is who was offended by it. And they'll just come back and just push and you're like, all right, well you're out. And then they're like, how dare you? So outraged. Like you knew the rules, you knew what to do. Like the uh, one rule was basically don't be a dick. And you yeah. cross that line time and time again. Uh, so yeah, it's a very, it's a very interesting thing. Like there's a trust with the audience as well, even in stand up, that, you know, you don't know what someone's been through. You don't know their circumstances. You can't just throw anything out into a crowd and expect it to be fine. Well, and e- even outside of the arts, although uh, I-, I think it's important in the arts because number one, you have so many people who are, who are doing this out of love, mm. you know, which allows them to be exploited in ways that they're not necessarily getting exploited. In you other, mean you're not uh, rolling in, in fat stacks of art money like me? <laughs> Uh, but but I think in all in all cases, you know, we want to create an environment where we're operating off of goodwill, and that you know we're we're assuming that everyone is working with their uh, is is all pushing in the same direction. There's no bad actors, and when you identify the bad actors, and often that comes from again to circle this back, people who have decided that they are not willing to change that they are the way they are, that their comedy is the way it is, their art is the way it is, and nothing, uh, and it can't, uh, can't adapt for anything. And, that, and, and, then, and there may still, like, still be an audience for that act and for that comedy, um, but if you ever want it to grow, if you ever want it to be bigger and to expand outside of that little circle, you, you've got to be willing to make changes. Exactly. And, and you also have to like, realize that if you're doing something that is repelling people away from you, uh, you know, that might be the point. You might be trying to create real outsider art. Maybe the art is the people's reaction. But again, for most of these edgelord comedians, that's not it. They're just uh, not willing to to do any thought into how they might be able to make their stuff more approachable or, you know, write a joke that isn't relying on all this like offensive crap. Or just write a joke. <laughs> yes, that's that's it. We've uh, talked, so our point uh, is iterate yeah. until you've written a joke. Please. Yeah, exactly. Please, if, if you could, if you would do me the honor. Uh, we've talked a lot about different iterations. Uh, we've talked about being in a constant state of, of building and rebuilding, growing, improving, uh, resisting change. The people that resist, resist change, being in our comfort zones, pushing ourselves out of the comfort zones uh, and creating trust and safe performance and world environments. Um, Brent, how can we use all of this to make the world a better place? Well, I think what it really has to be is um, we have to build a a feedback loop. And Mm. what that feedback loop is uh, can be personal self-reflection. It can be having people that you trust. uh, It can be having a therapist. But we have to build a way so that we can look back at ourselves and see the ways that we can be improving. And if you tell yourself you don't need improving, you're clearly lying to yourself. (laughs) Um, But if we create that feedback loop and then make those changes, make those iterations, change things the way they want want to be, you know, we all have goals. We all have things that we're pushing towards. And if you find that you're not achieving those goals, 
usually there is something in your way that can be changed on your end. Now, obviously, if my goal is to, you know, be a famous actor or, you know, get that promotion at work, there are other forces at play that will get in the way. Um, You know, you can't control other people's actions. You can't control necessarily the way other people are going to react to you. But you can set yourself up for success uh, and set yourself up for success in the way that you deal with other people and the way that your interpersonal relationships are stronger. Um, So I think if we're constantly doing that, and not afraid to make those changes, not afraid to shift as the world shifts with us. Uh, you know, you always want to be able to reassess. Not only is your boundaries going to change from day to day, but maybe your understanding of the reality of the world that you're in changes. And as your understanding changes, so too should you. I think you've you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there, Brent. Uh, we are almost out of time. If people want to find you online and check out some of the stuff you've been working on, where can they find you? Well, I am uh, at Brent Hirose, B-R-E-N-T-H-I-R-O-S-E, on pretty much all of the social media. Uh, I don't do too much of it, but uh, you can look me up there. Also, my website, BrentHirose.com. Uh, and if you happen to be in the Vancouver area, uh, I've been working with a brand new improv theater here called Tightrope Impro Theater. Uh, so you can find them, Tightrope Impro tightrope impro online and uh check out our shows uh we're doing shows there every uh friday and saturday and then uh some other companies that i'm involved with have begun doing shows at their space as well so uh please come see live performance uh and wherever you are if you are comfortable and if the world is opening up for you i I invite you to do so as well because uh the performers have missed you far more than you have missed them and uh we need your support That is 100% correct. Thanks so much for being on the show. We'll see you next time. Hey there, folks. Thanks so much for checking out the latest episode of Good Morning, Mrs. Strawberry. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you want to help us out and help the channel grow, make sure you like, subscribe wherever you get your good podcasts, and help us out by leaving a rating on those websites where you can leave ratings for podcasts. Also, if you'd like to check out some of the other stuff I've been doing, you can check out Cube Boy Collectibles. That's right. If you head to cubeboycollectibles.square.site, you can check out my art toys, art prints, skateboard decks, and other weird stuff I've been creating over the last year and a half. There's also stickers, button badges, postcards, and whole bunch of other stuff that's cuboycollectibles.square.site check it out i hope you like it thanks for listening to the podcast enjoy the rest of your lives